Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. said other than what's been what we've read that's uh, one of the um, if you will that's one of the uh, blessings of reading a large portion of scripture you get the entire context of what is going on in the passage and and, uh, sometimes it's not necessary sometimes it is today being one of those days where I feel like it was necessary for us to read this but uh, I believe that it's important for us to look at this text today and and I'll kind of direct you to where the thought is and where my burden is here in a minute but by way of introduction I want us to think about this lady that the Bible addresses in verse number 2 by the name of Hannah. We find in verse number one, we find uh, the introduction of a man, uh, a man uh, by the name of Elkanah. The Bible teaches us that Elkanah uh, was, he's found in verse number one. He's a certain man of Ramathay and Zophim. That's where he lived. That's where he was from, of Mount Ephraim. And then the verse number two says that Elkanah had two wives. The one was named Hannah and the other Penina. Y'all know that story. If you've been around the, the Word of God long enough, you know that story. But as we look at the text, I first of all want to make mention by way of introduction that Hannah was a redeemed woman. Look at verse number 11. Uh, the Bible tells us in verse number 11, uh, the Bible said that she vowed a vow and said, unto, uh, said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of, and it gives these two words, thy handmaid. What Hannah's saying is, is God, I'm praying to you and I'm asking if you would look on my prayer. And she uses the word thine. And you know what she's saying? God, I belong to you. You know how you get you get to the place to where you belong to Jesus? You get saved. Amen. When you get saved, you belong to Him. And she said, I'm yours, Lord. She calls herself the handmaid of the Lord three separate times uh, in, in this passage. And we find one of them in, in uh, verse number 11. Well, really, we find them in verse number 11. The Bible says she called herself. Uh, she said, remember me and forget not thine handmaid. She said, look on the affliction of thy handmaid, verse number 11. Said, remember me and forget not thy handmaid. And then says, and give unto thine handmaid a man child. Do you think the Lord's trying to put emphasis somewhere for us in one verse, yeah. three separate times? Yeah. She's telling us that she belongs to the Lord. In verse number 16, not only does she belong to the Lord that she is praying to, but look at verse number 16 with me. The Bible says in verse number 16, she said, And count count not thine handmaid uh, for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. She's speaking to, uh, she's speaking to Elkanah as the man of God. She said, Don't count me. As a daughter of Belial. You know what the Bible teaches us about Belial? 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 15. The Bible tells us that Belial is a name for the devil. Belial literally means 
Uh, it, it, it means worthless. And it's another name for Satan. Amen. And can I just tell you today, not part of my outline, not part of my message, but when I think about that name, can I report to you today that as far as you and I are concerned, the devil is a worthless rascal after all. Amen. There's no good that comes out of him. All that's in the world, according to the Word of God in 1 John chapter number 2, the Bible said all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Amen. There's nothing good that comes from him or the world that he's in control of as right. the prince of the power of the air. Right. But the Bible said she does not belong to him. And yeah. guess what? Hannah did not want uh, you and I or anyone else to identify her right. with being part of the devil's crown. Yeah. Amen. And can I tell you today yeah. that if you're a child of God, you are not to want to be identified with the devil's crown. Amen. Yeah. She said you count me his and you don't count me his. Amen. Right. You count me as God's and not as the devil's. Amen. Right. So she said, don't count me as a daughter of Belial. Amen. So therefore, when I think about the text, and man, I don't know how I'm getting into this this morning, but I just noticed this as I was reading the verse. You know why? What verse number 15 says? Verse number 15 says that, El, or excuse me, that Eli, when he saw her mouthing the words to her prayer and making no speech out, uh, out physically, verbally, out of her mouth, you know what the Word of God says? The Bible said that, he, that Eli, the priest, the man of God, if you will, mistook her to be drunken. It is to that, the sin of drunkenness, that she said, don't count me as a daughter of Belial. When you look at someone, according to this text, she said that if you think that I'm drunk, if you think that I put wine or some kind of alcoholic beverage on my lips, don't count me as a daughter of Belial. You see the connection there? The Bible says here, you can have whatever opinion you want on alcohol. But the Bible says right here that she connects drinking and drunkenness right. to Satan. She says, if I look like God wants me to look, if I want you to count me as His, I'm not going to have that. You don't have to worry about drunkenness in my life. Because I belong to Him. A whole lot of Christians say they belong to Him, but they've got that problem. And for the world that's watching them and that's seeing their testimony, they're causing confusion. You know what Hannah wanted you to know? Hannah wanted you to know that she was saved by the grace of God and you don't have to worry about some of those things being in her life. She wanted to honor the Lord with it. Amen. Amen. So we see she was a redeemed woman. But then, notice this number two. I believe that she was a remarkable not only was she saved, not only was she redeemed, but as we read the text, man, how can you read this text in the Word of God and not see a remarkable child of God? Amen. That, what, what I just addressed just a moment ago, how remarkable is it in the day and hour that we live in? Would it be to find someone that says if it looks like it, it is controlled, if it looks like the world, if it looks like it's controlled by the devil, don't count me in. If you're, a, if you're a child of God in here, the Bible says love not the world, right. neither the things that are in the world. Yeah. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. How in love are you today with this world? You know what worlds you and I ought to be in love with? with? Another world. Yeah. We ought to be in love with heaven. The Bible said in the book of Colossians, seek those things which are above. That's where our attention ought to be. That's where our love ought to be. But the Bible says here that she remarkably stood and had conviction and wanted to be identified with the God that had saved her. 
Her faith in these verses is the highlight of the first two chapters of the book of Samuel. Her faith, she is praying and she's begging God to do something marvelous for her. And we'll notice later on in the text that God gives her what she prays for. Her faith throughout these chapters is truly remarkable. We find a lady that never wavers in faith despite going through heartbreaking trials. When you go through the trials of life, that is usually where people lose heart and lose faith more than any time else. When you're going through devastating heartbreak, it's easy to lay your Bible down. (laughs) When you're going through devastating heartbreak, it's easy to neglect the prayer closet. I don't, uh, preacher, I don't understand. Some of you others in here, I don't understand when someone's going through the hardest time of their life why they stay away from church instead of running to the house of God. If I need help, and if you're saved, you ought to realize where, hey, even if you're not saved today, if you're lost in here, guess what? You can find help in the house of God. Amen. Amen. More than that, not only can you find help in the house of God, but I like this. Amen. Just all about this. You can find help in the God of the house. Amen. 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 That's right. If you come in here, there's a God that's in here that has the power to do. And I'm probably already about to preach Wednesday night's message. Amen. But y'all hear it again. Amen. There's a God that can do whatever you need. Amen. He's got the power. He's got the resources. And you call on Him. Hannah was not praying a big prayer. Yes, she had big faith. But there's no big prayers because our God's bigger than the prayer. That's right. Our God's bigger than the need. She's a remarkable woman full of faith despite heartbreaking trials, but here's where I want us to look at this morning. Here's where I want the message to sit around this morning. Not only do we see in the Word of God her as a redeemed woman and a remarkable woman, but in the two verses I highlighted as we read, we see that she is not only those things, but she is also a remembered woman. The Bible says, notice this, verse number 11. The Bible said that she vowed a vow. Now remember, verse 10 says she's in bitterness of soul. So heavy as she prays, she weeps. And the Bible says she weeps sore. She is literally laying her all on the altar. All of her feelings and all of her emotions are being infused in this prayer. And the Bible says in verse number 11, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me. She says that she would bless the Lord by giving that man child, which we find in verse number 20 was none other than the prophet Samuel. He comes out of her womb. But the Bible says she prayed and asked God to remember her. Can I remind you what verse number 19 says? The Bible says in the very last phrase of verse number 19, and the Lord remembered her. She asked God to look on her and to remember her, to not forget her and the condition that she was in, and God decided that He was going to remember her. She was a remembered woman. And I believe that's what the world wants. The world cries to be remembered. You think about, we talk about legacies and what kind of legacy we want to leave for our children. I do believe the Word of God teaches that if you and I live the right kind of a life and follow the Lord, we ought to do our dead level best to try to leave a legacy to our children, to try to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The Bible even teaches that it's good for you and I. It's wise in the book of Proverbs for us to even leave an inheritance to our children. You're not supposed to leave them worse 
right there and you found them. Amen. And you got them. Amen. You're supposed to try to do good for them and try to invest in them. But the Bible says here uh, that, 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 you know, that even though uh, that she is in bitterness of soul, she's requesting to be remembered. And I believe that's what the rest of the world wants. We find it all over the place. Leaving a legacy to the children. You know, you try to, you try to leave them better than they're off. Friend, we ought to not just think about those kind of things. But when it comes to God, amen, and He, that the thought that He remembers us and we want to be remembered, uh, we ought to not be satisfied with just having a legacy in this world. Right. You know, I'm thankful for the legacy that I found here. Amen. I'm thankful to continue in a real good legacy. Amen. I'm thankful for the plaques on the wall. I saw the honorary doctorate back there. Amen. For faithful service. As I go through the church, and we got done looking at houses yesterday, right before before me and my wife left, right after Brother Caldwell and Mr. Mary Lee left, I just walked around and began to look. And everywhere I walked, I found traces of a legacy. And I thank God for that. And I, I want, by the time the message is over, for you to remember what I preached. I want, whenever my days are done here, whether, uh, whether the Lord takes us out of here in just a few days or if He takes us out of here after uh, when, I'm, uh, when I'm silver-headed and I'm more wise in my years, if I've been here 20-something years, amen, going on 30 years, I hope that the church has another legacy. Yeah. I leave behind with my life. But you know, that's we talk about legacy. We talk about being remembered. And we wonder, you know, when my time comes to die, what will I be remembered for? You know, has, has that question ever come across your mind? Will anybody even remember what I've done while I've been here? We have a book full of people that God remembers. And God wants you and I to remember. The Bible said that Hannah had one prayer request. And that was, Lord, you look and you remember me, the condition that I'm in. And the Bible said, the Lord remembered her. And with the help of God this morning, I want to preach on this thought, the God that remembers. The God that remembers. Mankind wants to be remembered. You and I want to be remembered. Hannah wanted to be remembered. But if you notice, she does not say that she expresses no concern by being remembered by her husband. She expresses no concern by being remembered by Penina. She expresses no concern by being remembered by Eli, the man of God. But she asks for God to remember her. And can I say this morning, I believe she had her focus and her affections in the right place. Amen. I quoted a minute ago, Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. When she cried out to the Lord, the Lord heard her. And according to verse number 19, He remembered her. So we want to look this morning at the thought that God that remembers. God shows us in these 20 verses that we looked at this morning. In, in the first 20 verses of 1 Samuel, 20, uh, 1 Samuel 1, verse number 1 through 20, he exposes a characteristic about himself that most of the time goes unnoticed. We think about him being a God of love. We even think about him being a God of wrath many times. But when was the last time you thought of him as the God that remembers? Notice this with me, and I'll point out a few things and we'll be done this morning. Number one, I want you to notice that when she, uh, when Hannah discovered him to be a God that remembers, she discovered him to be a God that, number one, remembers problems. Look at verse number four with me again. 
The Bible says in verse number 4, it said, And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. And unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. We see there in verse number 5 displayed the first problem that God remembers about Hannah. And the first problem is that Hannah was barren. The Bible says in verse number 5, the Bible said the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, bear with me this morning. I'm going to share with you a personal story, if my wife's okay with it, uh, about us that we have not shared. It's a uh, similar story to y'all, if y'all can believe that. Amen. If there's not enough similarities between us and them, amen. Amen. We have, our wives have the same birthday. Amen. We are both fathers that have sons with the same first name and different middle names. I found those things fascinating. Amen. But here's another one. Before we came here, me and my wife had recently went through a trial. And that, you know, we, we told you about the church and things that uh, transpired at the last church that I pastored and, and the heartbreak that that was. But shortly after that, uh, Wyatt was, how old was Wyatt? It wasn't very long ago. But over a year, so just a few months ago, we found out we were expecting again. And uh, just, a few, just a little while into that, we found out that the Lord had decided to take that baby. So we didn't get as far as you did with a stillbirth. But the Lord removed a gift. And I thank God we've got, and I know you all do as well, we've got someone we've never seen waiting on us on the other side. Amen. 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 I rejoice in that. Amen. Amen. But I think about the trial that we went through and how heartbreaking that it was and I think about where, how the, the different... This is why I wanted to preach this message this morning. Because throughout everything we've been through, when we came here and God did what He did for us here, and we came in and the church received us so well, and it was, it was an exact uh, contrast to the way our life had been going ever since we came back. It seemed like it was one storm after another. We realized and we came here and God answered this prayer that we've been praying since we moved back from Maryland. We found out that the Lord was still to us. This became more than a message, but it became a lifestyle that He is a God that remembers how it is. Amen. Amen. Church, guess what? He hasn't forgot about Hickey Baptist Church. He hasn't forgot about you. He hasn't forgot about what God's doing. Amen. He hasn't forgot about my family. Amen. I think about the trials we went through, how God showed us that He was a God that remembers problems. Amen. Because you imagine, you know, I think about what we went through with that baby, but guess what? There's no issues as far as us being able to have other children. You know, there was a, there was a stillbirth, but there was some more children. We still have the ability to have more. Could you imagine as, as a lady, some of you ladies in here, could you imagine being Hannah? The Bible said that her womb was shut up. That it wasn't the, the trial of a miscarriage. It wasn't the trial of a stillbirth. But it was the trial that the one desire that a woman has uh, that has been put in her by God. And I believe there's two main ones. And 
if you disagree with that, that's your problem. I've got more Bible than you do on it. Amen. Amen. My wife agrees with me. So when I when I begin to talk about women preacher, I don't know if you do this, some brother Tom, and some of you Sunday school teachers, Sunday school teachers think. When I began to talk about, well, this is what I see in the Word of God is how women are. Amen. Just you ladies, just know that I don't say things without running it by her first. Amen. If I'm going to talk about y'all, I'm going to make sure what I'm saying is more than just an inference. Amen. Amen. But one thing I found out is there's two main desires that are natural for a woman to have. And that is to be a wife and a mother. Anything that breaks those. I'm talking about girls from the time they're little children. They, they see their parents, or at least they should in a happy marriage, and, and they think about, oh, what it'll be to be a wife. That's why you give sons trucks, but you give daughters kitchen sets and, and, and play sets and easy-bake ovens. You're preparing them to be a wife. That's a natural desire for a lady. But you know what you also give your daughters? Baby dolls. Don't give wide a baby doll. Amen. He'll pull the head off. That's what boys do with baby dolls. Amen. Mutilate baby dolls. Amen. Amen. Boys like to destroy things. Amen. Ladies like to build things and grow and, and, and be a blessing. Amen. Be loving to a baby, not torturous. Amen. To a baby doll. Amen. But do you see the difference in the nature there? That, that, that's why those things exist. That's not stereotype. That's not being chauvinistic. That's not misogynistic thinking. That's the reality of how God made us. Amen. And now a natural desire of Hannah's was taken away. And can you see what the Bible says right there? The Bible said, the Lord shut up her word. It's different if there's an accident. There's different, it's different if there's a medical reason. If there's something that causes an adverse effect. But the Bible said that the reason why Hannah was barren was because the Lord did it. Physically, there was nothing wrong with Hannah. Except for it was not the will of God wow. for her to walk without that trial. To walk with God without that burden. And friend, can I remind you this morning, there are some things that God's going to want you to walk on with. There's going to be some things that God's going to want you to bear that it's not, that it's, not, that it's not anybody's fault except it's the will of God. And sometimes the will of God is not all shouting and running the aisles. I thank God for shouting. Amen. It was good to see uh, Brother Coldwell shaking his children's hand and walking around here and shouting. And by the way, just because I'm the new pastor, I'm not going to stop anybody from worshiping. Amen. Amen. You want to shout? You want to jump a pew? You want to run a lap? You want to shout praises to God? You want to worship quietly? You want to raise a hand? If you want to do something in the house of God, I'm going to fan the flame. I'm not going to stifle what you want to do. Amen. 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 But I, I think about that. The Lord may have something in mind that's not taking a lap and excitement and running down through the church house. But even though that is the will of God for the people of God to rejoice, sometimes it's also the will of God for the people of God to bear heavy burdens. Yeah. I've heard it said a hundred times by plenty of preachers, oh God will never put on you more than you can handle. You find one verse in the Bible to show me that. Right. 
The Bible does not say that he will not put on you more than you can handle. Do you think that Hannah could handle being barren? I can tell you right now, if, the, if any of you in here have been there, you don't have to wonder any questions about how Hannah felt. Amen. We didn't even, we didn't even know about our child for very long. And I still watch my wife grieve. Amen. A baby we never met still grieve. It's more than we can handle. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. This preacher can't handle very much. These frail bodies don't handle very much. These minds don't handle very much. But if you have God in your life, amen, the Bible says that we can come to Him, amen, and He'll bear the load for us. What is it that Peter said? Casting all your care, all of your burden, all of everything that's on you, you cast it on Him. Why? Because He careth for you. You know why the Lord remembered Hannah? Because He cared for Hannah. I don't know how far I'm going to get into this. Amen. We may come back on Sunday morning. Uh, we may come back tonight. We'll see what the Lord does. Amen. But aren't you glad that we have a God that remembers problems? Amen. Amen. She was barren. And uh, the Lord remembered her. Notice this. She was not only barren, but verse 6 tells us that she was belittled. Now, I'm telling you right now that when I, when I read verse number 6 and verse number 7, I cannot help but be filled with righteous indignation about the situation that I'm reading about. I'll be honest with you. The Bible said, in ver- hey, there is a difference. You can be angry and sin not, the Bible says. Amen. The Bible does teach us that we can be righteously angry. It didn't make Jesus happy to have those, uh, in, those in the temple that uh, were, were making merchandise for the people of God. The Bible said it made him angry, so angry that he drew out small cords and ran them out of the temple. Amen. Jesus can be angry and sin not. I can too. He's our example. He does it a whole lot easier than I do. Amen. But it's possible. Read the verse, verse number six. Amen. I always want to try to be a Bible preacher. Amen. Verse number six. The Bible said her adversary also provoked her sore. The last phrase of verse number nine tells us that she was barren and the Lord was the one that was doing it to her for whatever reason, whatever plan that the Lord had. He was the one behind the scenes working out his will and because he was the one that was doing it, Hannah did not know the reason why it was happening. But the Bible said that Penina, her adversary, provoked her about that problem. The Bible goes on to say, for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. The Bible said she was fretting because of something she could not control because of the belittling of Penina. Verse number seven said, and as he did, speaking about Elkanah, Elkanah went to the house of the Lord year by year. The Bible said that she, speaking about uh, uh, speaking about uh, uh, Penina, that she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, speaking about Hannah. Therefore she, Hannah, wept and did not eat. The belittling, the provoking was so intense, the Bible said it was every single year when they came into the house of God Penina took the opportunity to pick, to belittle, to provoke Hannah about her problem. The Bible said it caused her so much grief that she couldn't even eat. Have you been there a time or two in your life where nothing 
seems appealing. Even the food that you need for energy and strength has no appeal because of what you're going through. The Bible says here that that was exactly where Hannah, or where Hannah was. That Panina, out of jealousy, mocked Hannah for being barren. And to me, I personally believe that this is the epitome of human wickedness in the regards of a woman. You can't have a child, so I'm going to make fun of you about it. You can't control how your body is responding, and I'm going to make fun of you, and I'm going to provoke you, and I'm going to be belittling you. And the Bible says she did it in the house of God. I have found out in the few years that I've been on this earth that Baptist people, and I'm not talking about Methodists, I'm not talking about Lutherans, I'm sure they're the same way because they're made of the same stuff we are, amen. They're made of the same flesh, the same sin nature that we are. But I'm not a part of those groups, but I am a part of these groups. Baptist church. I've been around a few. And I found out that church people are some of the ugliest, yeah. most rude, yeah. most conniving, most, and many times, demonic acting people this side of eternity. Some of them I worry about. Amen. You're acting so demonic. You're acting so devilish. Makes me think that they're acting like their father the devil. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Right. Sitting on a church pew having no God about them. Amen. I think it's the epitome of human wickedness that we find here. And Hannah was under a heavy burden. But aren't you glad when she was under a heavy burden, she knew who to call on. Amen. She was barren. She was belittled. But then notice this. The Word of God also tells us not only was she barren, not only was she belittled, but the Bible said that she was burdened. Amen. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 7. I think this is about as far as we'll get this morning. Amen. Amen. Verse number 7. The Bible says, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah to her husband, uh, to uh, Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, I'm telling you, I'm going to, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on, let me read the verse. Amen. Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And then we're about to read what I believe probably is the most ignorant statement that a husband has ever made in the account of the Word of God. Elkanah looked at his wife and said, Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Absolutely not. Yes, I do believe that the Word of God teaches that you are to love your husband first. Amen. That's not popular in the world today. She ought to have a greater love for me than she has for our son. Amen. That's the Bible. The proper order for the home, according to the Word of God, and maybe one day I'll get into Ephesians 5 and deal with some of those things, but the Bible says it's God first. Amen. For a lady, the order is God first. Seek him first and the king of the king, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then the Bible says, husband and then children. You know how it is supposed to be for a husband? God, his wife, and then his children. The Bible says that you are to leave father and mother and cleave to your wife. The Bible does not say any of those things about your children. You are to cleave to your wife. Amen. 
When it comes to the proper order of the home, as far as this preacher is concerned, when I when I left my parents and, and I left, uh, she left her parents and we became one the day that we got married, February 28, 2015. Amen, honey, I remember. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> but I was supposed to cleave to her. But you know what you're supposed to do with your children? Your Bible says you're supposed to shoot them forth as arrows in the hand of an archer. You're supposed to cleave to the wife, but you're supposed to let your children go. When you raise your children, you are preparing them to be on their own, to leave you, and to cleave to a spouse of their own. For the rest of your days, you're supposed to cleave to your spouse. That's why they're first. That's why marriage is important. This world wants you to fornicate. The world wants you uh, to shack up. But the Bible says the proper order of life is to leave father and mother, which means that when you get married, you are supposed to be with them in some kind of a way. Amen. They still have first place. Mom and dad is supposed to have first place until you walk away. And now it's that spouse that God gave. Amen. Amen. You probably won't find another lady that, love, that loves. I'm talking about loves her dad. Like my wife loves her daddy. Amen. I, I pick on her all the time. Man, there's things you'll do for him you won't do for me. He calls. She picks up the phone immediately. I call. I may get a call back sometime. Amen. Amen. Very seldom Mrs. Daddy's calls. Amen. Especially now she, she's away from him. Amen. I bet you once we move here, daddy will be getting more answered phone calls. Amen. Amen. She sees me every day at the house. Daddy's an hour and a half away. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I don't know if you'll find someone that loves her daddy more than my wife. But if you ask her who her, and I, and I believe this on my heart, you ask her who was first place in her life, number one, she'll say Jesus Christ. Number two, she'll say Josh Lawson. Number three, she'll say little Joshua Lawson. Amen. My son back there. Amen. I, I tell her all the time, you're, I said, how does it feel to have your entire world wrapped up in Joshua Lawson? Joshua Lawson, me, Joshua Stephen Lawson, Joshua Wyatt Lawson there in the back. Amen. Her entire world's wrapped up in that name. Amen. <laughs> but the Bible says here that, that Elkanah asked, am I not better to thee than ten sons? Yes, Elkanah had his place. Elkanah was supposed to be number one in her heart. But I also will say this, that if my wife was never able to have children, there would be a missing place. That little boy back there, he is not her entire world. But he has a big piece of it. She has him and she loves him in a way that I can never love him. There's just something about a mother's love. And I think about where she says here, what Elkanah is saying is, uh, it says if you can't have any children, uh, you can't have any children, uh, can you not just be completely, totally satisfied with me? Why are you, what he's saying is, is why are you upset? Children aren't the biggest deal. You've got someone as awesome as Elkanah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Layman's terms for what he's saying there. You've got me, honey. Why do you need anyone else? Can I tell you today that Hannah was burdened by the fact that she was buried? I don't have to convince you of that. But look, notice, read on in the text. She said, Am I not better today than ten sons? Verse number nine. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat. The Bible goes on to say in, uh, by a post in the temple, verse number 10, and she was in bitterness of soul. Apparently Elkanah was not cutting it when it came to the burden 
that Hannah was under. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore so much that she cried out to the Lord and said, God, I would be satisfied to know that you are just looking my way with the burden that I'm carrying, with the bareness that I have, with the belittling that I'm under. Sometimes, God, I feel like you have turned your head and it would make me, uh, oh, it would make me better. It would make me understand things a little bit more if I would just know that you'd something would let me know that you're looking my way, that you haven't forgotten about me. Amen. Can I remind you, if you're not saved in here today, God has remembered you. You know how you can know that God's looking your way? It's because you're on your way to hell. If you've never been saved, you never trusted your, if you never trusted your eternal soul in the hands of Jesus Christ, you're on your way to hell this morning. But God has let you to be, led you to be in a real good place. God has let you be in the house of God, in a building that's full of the word of God, where people know how to be saved. People can show you how to be saved. Can I tell you this? If you've never been saved, it'll be the joy of this preacher's life today. I begged God for it last night. I hope you did. Amen. I prayed to God about it this morning. I would love on my first Sunday to see somebody get born again in yeah. the family of God. I would love to take this red Bible as I have many, many times before to others. I would love to take this Bible and run you down to some verses so you can know how to miss hell and how to have a home in heaven and how to be saved by the grace of God. Would you give me that privilege this morning if you've never been saved? God is looking your way. God's put you in a real good place, child of God. Amen. And I'm going to close with this. We'll get into the rest of it later. Amen. My wife has seen me preach this sermon in one meeting and just, just a few minutes, and then there's a lot of times like today. Amen. Y'all are just fun to preach to. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 But if you're saved in here today, and this is what I'll close with this morning, you can know that God has looked your way. You can know that God is a God that remembers. Amen. Amen. I think about, and, and I, I mentioned Brother Tommy and and if you, if you were bored in the Sunday school lesson this morning, I don't have any help for you. I really don't. If that teaching bothered you or bugged you or caused you to be ready to take a nap, you're not in. You're not plugged in to, to what God's wanting to do. Amen. Today. Amen. I told Brother Tommy, I walked up to him because he made a comment toward the end of it that uh, made me feel like he wasn't completely finished with with what he had prepared. And I told Brother Tommy during the fellowship time, I said, did you finish your Sunday school lesson this morning? He said, no, not all of it. I said, you finish it next week. We need to hear it. Yeah. Church, I'm telling you. And, uh, you know, I, I was preparing to say something along these lines in my remarks, but I, I, during the middle of service, but I forgot this morning. And I think the Lord caused me to forget to mention it now. But I've been a lot of places. I've been a lot of churches. The last church I pastored, you know, that they, they, good, there was good men, but I taught the Sunday school. I wasn't really there long enough to get a good feel for, for there were some good preachers in the church and some, some men I could trust, amen. But what the churches I've been in, I've been visiting churches, I've preached in churches that I've been, I, I usually try to show up for Sunday school when I went and preached somewhere. That kind of teaching is not everywhere. And I'm not saying that to blow his head up. Amen. Amen. I, he, he knows better than that. That's not everywhere. 
I'm telling you right now, there's there's plenty of and I don't have anything, I don't have any any problems with having a Sunday school book. As long as the book has the right kind of lessons in it and has the right kind of Bible printed in it, amen, has King James in it, I don't have a problem with social books. But you know why most people have created, why there have been organizations that have created those Sunday school books? It is so a small church can pass that Sunday school book to anybody and that person can teach Sunday school because they don't have the gifts that we've seen today. Amen. To have a teacher that gets up and creates his own lesson is a blessing, but then creates a lesson that is filled with the Word of God. And this morning, told on some things, told on a verse that most people really don't understand. Brother Tommy, you taught me some things. Taught me some things. Your pastor taught me some things out of that verse this morning. Child of God, saint of God, the Lord remembers you. He has taken His eyes and He's looked your way. He's given us some blessings. Amen. You heard some good singing. Uh, God has blessed this church with singing. God's blessed this church with pre- with, with, with uh, teaching. God's blessed this church with preaching. And I hope I don't fail. Amen. Amen. I, I hope that I continue with that. I want to lead the church in the area of preaching, amen. And I know I have big shoes to fill, but I'm not going to try to even fill them. I'm not going to try to compare to them. I'm just going to try to follow the Lord's steps, amen. 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 God's blessed this church. If you're in here, you're visiting, you're in a real good place. I've only been here for a few weeks, and they, man, the church already sucked me in. Amen. And I'm leading this thing now. Amen. 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 God's looked your way. God's allowed you to be in a place that has, listen to this, church. Listen to your preaching this morning. Amen. Feels good to say that. Amen. That has the only thing that has ever came from the portals of heaven that you and I on this earth can hold in our hands. Yes. Think about that. The Bible said, Thy word is forever settled in heaven. Amen. This is the only thing we have on this earth that has came straight from the presence of God, yes. straight even from the mouth of God, yes. that hey. we can hold yes. in our hands today. Yes. And you've got it. A lot of churches don't have what you and I have. They have a corrupted version of what they call the Bible. But you've got the true word of God. You've got what was forever settled in heaven. And you can look at this book. And you can lean on this book. And you can live on this hey. book. Has all the answers hey. you need. Child That's of God, right. God right. has looked your way. That's right. Amen. He's a God. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh,